0: Um, like I said, my name is Kyle Porter. I am an elder here at Mosaic Church, and I have the pleasure of kicking off the portion of our summer where you get to hear from our non-vocational pastors. And, uh, this is always a delight for us because we get to, we get to work through scripture and you get to hear about what the Lord is, is doing in our lives, uh, in the lives of your pastors. So, uh, for me, this, this year has been probably the hardest in my life, and I want to, uh, acknowledge, uh that I've been struggling because I think it's it's good for us to be reminded of our own humanity and uh, also to hopefully encourage you uh, with what we see from the Lord in Scripture and how the Lord has been present in my own life in the midst of suffering. Most of 2022, starting from uh, the very first day of the year, has been for me a dark, dark night of the soul. And That's a phrase that if you've been around church very long or abided in the Christian subculture of our day that you've probably heard. Uh, It's a phrase that goes back to the 16th century. Uh, A Spanish priest named John of the Cross uh, coined that phrase. Uh, He was a a priest and a poet, and we'll come back to him later on. Um, Perhaps you're going through your own dark night of the soul. I know, that, I know that, that many of you um, are or have been um, or that you will. In a broken and fallen world with broken and fallen people, it's inevitable that our hearts will encounter these dark nights of the soul. It's inevitable that our hearts will encounter these dark nights of the soul. So where might we turn in these seasons? If, if these dark nights of the soul are inevitable at some point in our lives, where might we turn? Where should we turn during those seasons? For me, it was the Psalms, Psalm 4, Psalm 86, and then today's Psalm, Psalm 94. So let's read Psalm 94 together. O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say, The Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. Understand, O dullest of the people. Fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. For justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would have soon lived would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my I love this part. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. This is the word of the Lord. There's a lot to uh, dive into here in this psalm, and and we'll get to all of it. But first, I want to give you, if if you're taking notes, I want to just kind of frame what this sermon is about from Psalm 94 today. So, everything else in this sermon will uh, relate to and revolve around uh, this. So, if you're taking notes, write this down. Our singular hope is that God embraces us forever. Our singular hope is that God embraces us forever. The Psalms can often be looked at as the response by God's people to a a variety of dark nights of the soul. The content of every Psalm seems to top the one that came before it in terms of difficulty, right? We see this as we read the Psalms. The people of God have fear, distrust, difficulty. And yet, we see the Psalmist always return to the presence of the Lord as the safest and most joyful place to be the people of God have problems. We've seen this throughout history, and we are, uh, we are not exempt from that. We have difficulties in our lives. We have dark nights of the soul. And though those problems look different in 2022 than they did in the day of the psalmist, the fundamental emotional state of God's people has not changed. We are fearful. We're anxious. We lack hope. Thank God we have the psalms to turn to to remind us of, of where our hope is to be. So what is this particular psalm about? What is what is psalm 94 talking about? So in this particular psalm in psalm 94, the problem for God's people were that were that were that folks leaders within the midst of God's people were oppressing the weakest and most vulnerable people in their midst. And then those oppressors were turning around to God and wagging their finger in the face of God and saying, "What are you going to do about it, God?" We see this throughout the psalm. We see this in the first seven verses. This is a petition by the psalmist on behalf of the oppressed people. Your people are crushed, the psalmist says. And then he ends by depicting how the oppressors, the the ones that were doing the crushing, how they viewed the Lord. Verse seven says, these oppressors, they say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. In other words, we can do what we want. We're the leaders. We can oppress, and God's not going to do anything about it. The psalmist wanted a restoration of justice, or a restoration of what was good and right, the way things were meant to be. In the next seven verses, in verses 8 through 15, kind of the middle of this, we see the psalmist turn from prayer to uh, instruction or reminder. He's reminding the people that were oppressed among their midst of who God is. He reminds the the prideful and the oppressive, the the oppressors, um, that the Lord does hear and he does see and he does know all of our thoughts. And that the people that were suffering, he reminds them that the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. That's the truth that we see in this psalm. And then the last eight verses of this psalm, they focus on the confidence that the psalmist has in how things will play out, in the eternal truth's uh, that God has for us. And they also focus on a thankfulness for how God has already moved in the lives of his people. We see this gratitude. We see the psalmist walking in gratitude in verse 17. It says, if the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lied in the land of silence. We see the psalmist showing gratitude for the Lord, to the Lord for not only uh, what he will do, but also what he's already done. The psalms, excuse me, this psalm and many of the psalms provide us with an outline of how to deal with dark nights of the soul. They provide us with a template for how to deal with the difficulties in our lives and with the dark nights of the soul that we enter into. And this psalm in particular reminds us that our singular hope is that God embraces us forever. So what is that outline? What is the outline that we see in here of how to deal with dark nights of the soul? Based on this psalm, I think it includes three things. These are not the only three things uh, that you can apply to difficult times, but I I think in in Psalm 94 in particular, these are the three things that we see. The first is prayer, the first is prayer. The second is instruction or reminder. The second is instruction or reminder. And then the third is gratitude. The third is gratitude. So let's look at those individually. The the first uh, being prayer. The psalmist turns to prayer in those first seven verses. And in Philippians 4, Philippians 4 says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This This is a... Uh, an outline of how to deal with dark nights of the soul. There are different kinds of prayer that we can practice. We probably don't practice enough of these kinds of prayer. They include um, praise, thanksgiving, meditation, listening. But the the one that we see here, this particular one that the psalmist applies here, is is one called supplication. And it's the one that we probably most often turn to. Uh, And supplication is simply asking God for things uh, for yourself, for those around you, or for the world. So we see the psalmist practicing supplication here. And and, uh, Tim Keller's got a great book on prayer, and and in it he notes an important tenet of supplication that we actually see in this psalm. He says, we should discipline ourselves to connect each petition to what we know about God. We should discipline ourselves to connect each petition, each, each form of supplication to what we know about God. And I would add to that, because it's always a great idea to add things to great theologians. I would add to that (laughs) to what we know to be true about God as well. We see that in the first seven verses. We know that God is a God of justice, that he cares for uh, for the poor and powerless, that he is for his own glory. And each petition from the psalmist for the oppressed people in Psalm 94 is connected to one of these truths that we know about God. In addition to prayer, we also see instruction or reminder. Uh, Peter says in, uh, in, in 2 Peter 1, Peter's talking about Christ-like qualities that he, re- he wants to remind uh, the, the early church Christians of. And, and he says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities that you possess, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. We need to be reminded of the truths about God. And we need to be reminded of what those truths mean for us as individuals. This is why we meet on Sundays. right? This is part of the gathering on Sundays. And it's why we're adamant about discipleship. I've talked up here and to many of you, um, often, about the people that I have in my life that remind me of God's truths. I need men and women in my life who daily remind me, hey, this is what's true of God, uh, this is what's true about God, and because of that, here's what's true about you. We were not intended to do this alone. We need to be reminded by those around us of the truths of God. John Piper says it like this, therefore do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach his words into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. We need to be reminded of the truths of God. I wanna note uh, verse 15, the psalmist in here says, blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. To give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. I think verse fifteen is—is is, uh, excuse me. I think um, sorry, that's not verse fifteen. That's verse twelve and thirteen. I think those are difficult verses because it talks about uh, discipline and transformation. That's something we're going to go um, we're going to go in depth on in Romans eight later on this fall. I'll let Kyle preach through that. Um, But it's worth saying now that the the origin of difficult things and hardship and dark nights of the soul, though though the origin of those things is complex, God does not render those seasons fruitless. He uses them for good. I wanted to note that about verses 12 and 13. In addition to uh, prayer and instruction, we also need to walk in gratitude and trust of the Lord. This is what we see over the last eight verses. We see the psalmist humbly confess that without God, he is incapable of moving forward. But because of God, he can walk in confidence and strength. One commentary, I love this summation of Psalm 94. This commentary I read said, the sum of Psalm 94 is readiness to trust in and rely on Yahweh in the face of great unmanageable adversity. The psalm of Psalm 94 is readiness to trust in and rely on Yahweh in the face of great unmanageable adversity. Our singular hope is that God embraces us forever. I missed our first Mosaic gathering of this year. I got COVID on January 1. Happy New Year. Um and my symptoms were probably like many of yours. They lasted a few days. Uh, Body aches, I was tired, no appetite, couldn't get out of bed. Um, By the middle of the next week, I started feeling better, though. I I started feeling more normal and and more like myself. Um, However, as the days passed, I struggled to get all the way back to 100%. Things, my health, um, it just kind of lingered. I just felt odd. I had some lingering fatigue, my heart rate was kind of weird, um, and I just, felt, I just felt off, I just felt strange, and, and maybe many of you have, as a result of COVID or not, uh, experienced similar um, health conditions like that. Um, I tried to just shrug it off and keep living my normal life. I tried to just move past it and, and keep going. And then in the middle of February, uh, I started having some real physical issues. Uh, My heart was racing and and kind of skipping all the time. Um, It was disconcerting. And then around this time, I started having uh, some panic attacks um, because of the physical debilitation. I had never experienced panic attacks before. I didn't uh, even really know what was happening, what they were. Um, My physical condition was affecting my mental and emotional health and I was scared, I was scared. I saw a variety of doctors, uh, ended up in the emergency room one night, and everyone that I saw insisted that everything looked fine and seemed completely normal. But my inner self, and maybe some of you have experienced this, my inner self felt completely out of control. My inner self felt completely out of control. I saw two, uh, two different cardiologists, and they told me that they had no concerns whatsoever, uh, and yet my, my physical health continued to spiral. I felt horrible. I just felt horrible, and I had never experienced anything like that. I remember, so I worked from home, and there were days where I would wake up and just drag myself into the bathroom, into the bathtub, and, and sit there in the bath and put a wooden board, this was not safe and I wouldn't recommend it, but I would put a, <laughs> it's okay to laugh, uh, I would put a wooden board over the bathtub and put my computer on top and try to, and try to work. <laughs> Again, not safe, not a great idea, don't do it. Um, but that was emblematic of, of where I was at, of how I was feeling. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't live life. I barely felt like a human being. And this all sounds ridiculous to say out, out loud now, but every day I was convinced that, that, that I was going to die. And maybe some of you have been there as well. I know some of you have been there. I could still come to church and sort of function socially, um, but at home I, I would just collapse. And my primary thought in this season was... And I remember sharing this at our elder retreat in February. And I had so much sadness and sorrow over this thought. My, my primary thought was, I, I don't want my kids to grow up without a dad. <clears throat> this was the longest dark night of the soul that I had have or had ever experienced and every day all I could do was cry out to God uh, for a reprieve from suffering. What else was there to do? I couldn't heal myself. I I couldn't fix anything. And this psalm, Psalm 94, provided a template that I followed that I tried as best I could to follow in this season. I remember praying one night, again, I was sitting in the bathtub, um, just begging God to to change my condition. Have you ever begged God just to change the condition that, that you're in? To change my circumstances, reminding him that he is a God that cares about our circumstances, that cares about the circumstances of his children. And that he doesn't want to see his children suffer. These are the truths that I was reminding God of. I tried to connect my prayer of supplication to what I knew to be true about God. And I remember sitting there thinking, and I, I, I was done praying, I had finished praying, and I was just sitting there thinking and listening. And I remember I, I, I heard it wasn't audible, but it, it was more than a thought. It was between a thought and something audible the Spirit saying, Not yet, son. Not yet, son. And I remember how encouraged I was by that. Not only, not only that God heard me, but that not yet implies that there, that there will be an end to the suffering, right? I was also encouraged uh, of the everlasting truth that I'm a son of God. Our singular hope is that God embraces us forever. I also got myself around people who instructed me and reminded me uh, of who God is. A better way to say this maybe is that they reminded me of truth. Brothers and sisters who reminded me of who God is and who I am in light of that. My wife, Jen, Kyle, our elders, my friends. I remember my friend, Nathan Russell, um, who we have coffee together with a group every every Friday. Uh, there was one Friday where I was just a mess and there was a tender moment where he said, brother, you don't... Um, You don't have to prove anything to us. You don't have to be funny or wise or say the right thing. We just love you because Jesus first loved us. (laughs) What a gift to be reminded of that in this season. There's no better way to spend our time. There's no, there's no no better way to spend our time than to find friends and people who will remind us of truth during dark nights of the soul. There's no better way to spend your time than to get around people and friends that, that will speak truth during dark nights of the soul. You're going to encounter them. My wife, Jen, prayed for me constantly and reminded me that not only am I not in control, but that I never was. My friend, Josh, reminded me of the truth that God is far more capable of taking care of my wife and kids than I ever will be. That's true. I don't want it to be true, but it is. My friend Alex, she had a vision of somebody uh, rock climbing and standing on firmer ground on the other side of this dark night of the soul, which I connected to Psalm 94, where it says, the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. And slowly I began to grow in trust of the Lord and what he was doing. This was also an opportunity for discipleship of my own kids and of people in my life. I remember uh, one day I was driving uh, Jude, my eight-year-old son, home from baseball practice, and I, I was having a, a panic attack at the time, and I, I remember calling uh, Jen, my wife, and trying to discreetly tell her what was going on, which is not, you know, it didn't go well. Um, and Jude picked up enough, picked up on enough of it, and he started crying, and then I started crying, and then we just prayed together in the car. I... I, I we just, we just prayed. There's nothing else to do. You just pray. And I asked him later. I, I, I bent down on a knee and, and got, in, got in front of him, got face to face with him. And I said, Jude, who does, who does dad go to? Who does he talk to when he's scared or worried? And he just stared at me and, and shrugged his shoulders and said, I don't know, mom? <laughs> I said, yes, her, her also. But the Lord was a sweet, sweet moment of discipleship. I was eventually diagnosed. Uh, this was in uh, late, uh, middle to late March. I was diagnosed with something called pericarditis, which is uh, an inflammation of the lining around the heart. Um, my third cardiologist gave me some medicine that began to, to help. Um, by the middle of April which was a month and a half ago, or almost two months ago, I started to get closer to 100%. And though the effects of what I had physically been going through are, still linger, I felt transformed. And I think people around me would testify that I, I have been transformed from where I was at two or three months ago. And that's engendered immense gratitude uh, and opened my eyes to, to what the Lord may, may have had for me in that season during that dark night of the soul. I know God better as father now. I know God better as father. I'm able to better, uh, dark nights of the soul allow us to be able to, to better minister to those around us, to empathize uh, with people around us that are going through their own dark nights of the soul. I have a greater appreciation for my relationship with my kids. I have a stronger friendship with my wife. Certain idols in my life uh, have lost their, their sheen I learned to trust God by praying Psalm 4, which is the psalm that I prayed all the time. Verse 8 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. When John of the Cross, this, this 16th century Spanish priest... When he wrote about the dark night of the soul, here's what he said. He said, when the soul reaches the dark night, all these loves that we have are placed in reasonable order. The night, the dark night, strengthens and purifies the love that is of God and destroys the other. But in the beginning, due to its soul-testing rigor, it causes the soul to lose sight of both of them. This is true, and it's also why we need people around us to remind us of what is true about God and therefore what is true about us. Our singular hope is that God embraces us forever. What does it even mean to be embraced by God? For me, it it meant leaning on the truths of Psalm 94. Truths like, the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. And also the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. But to be embraced forever means that we have to maintain an eternal view. God might not answer our prayers on day one or day 50 or day 300 or ever. He might have something better for us and for those around us. If we don't take an eternal perspective that we will spend, we just got, we just got done with a, a series on heaven that was a month long, that we will spend eternity somewhere. If we don't take that perspective, then we might be tempted to start believing verse seven where the oppressors say, the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob does not perceive. Have you ever been, have you ever been tempted to, to think that? All the time, right? All the time. In the middle of my dark night of the soul, it often felt like the Lord does not see and the God of Jacob did not perceive. Where was he in the middle of my suffering? Why would he not heal me? Why would he not heal me? Keller says this, our perspective on timing compared with God's is analogous to a two-year-old's with an adult's. Our perspective on timing compared with God's is analogous to a two-year-old's with an adult's. God has, the good reason, God has good reasons for making us wait a long time to see some prayers answered. There are nuances and beauties to God's wise schedule that we can just barely glimpse. And if God had healed me straight away, I would not walk in as much gratitude as I, as I do right now. I would not be as well equipped to love and care for others who are going through their own dark night of the soul. But we also have to trust that God might never answer our particular prayer. I might die tomorrow. I might die next week. Something bad might happen to my friends or my spouse. And I have to trust that God is good, he does good, And as he says in Ephesians 1, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And if his will is good, then I have to trust that. Being embraced forever means that we believe verse 15 from Psalm 94 when it says, listen to this, we're almost done. Verse 15 says, for justice will return to the righteous and all the upright in heart will follow it. Justice will return to the righteous and all the upright in heart will follow it. For us as believers, justice means being in the presence of the Lord forever. That's a a promise right there, that justice will return to the righteous. What is justice for us? It's what Jesus did on the cross, right? That's an eternal perspective, that justice will return to the righteous. Our justice, uh, Jesus paid for on the cross, and we get eternity with God. We have to trust in life that our singular hope is, is that God embraces us forever, and this is is our same singular hope in death as well. We're about to sing about that uh, in in a song that Stephen and and the the band are gonna play here in a minute, Um, and I asked them to play it because uh, our only hope in life and in death is, is Jesus. We're not promised tomorrow. Listen to this. We're not promised tomorrow, but we are promised forever in the presence of God. God brought me to a place where I trusted in his plan, even if that meant that I would die. My favorite verse in this chapter is, is, uh, is, is verse 19. The psalmist says, When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Are the cares of your heart many? Many. I know they are. I know they are for me, and I know they are for you. I've I've talked to many of you who are going through your own dark night of the soul. That's part of the reason I'm preaching on this, because I know that I'm not alone, and I want you to know that you're not alone either. In those times, in those dark nights of the soul, to whom do we turn? Where do we go? Do we allow God's consolations to cheer our souls? Do we, do we allow God's consolations to cheer our souls? We're encouraged in this psalm to not give in, to not pack it in, to, to, not, to not give up. We are encouraged instead to endure. In this, in this psalm, it says, when I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. This is what endurance looks like. In verse 16, the psalmist is saying, I have nothing left to give. That's how I felt. That's how many of you feel right now, right? I have nothing left to give. But we can always rely on Yahweh's has said his steadfast love and devotion in verse 18, and his consolation which cheers our soul in verse 19. Our singular hope is that God embraces us forever. In the middle of all of this, Kyle uh, sent me a song uh, called, the song is called He Maketh No Mistake. And it was a buoy in this season for me. Uh, It's a reminder that God embraces us forever, even when we have experienced the dark night of the soul. And it's a fortress for when we find ourselves on the other side of these dark nights of of the soul, readying for the next one. It's a continual wave of them as believers in our lives. And I'm going to read it. I I actually want... um, I'm going to read part of it, and I would actually love for you to just, just close your eyes and, and bow your head, and I want, to, I want to read it over you, and I want you to meditate on uh, the truth of, of, of God's word, which is that he's good, and that, he, and that he hears you, and that he loves you, and that he's there. And then I'll pray for us, and, and, and we'll end today. My father's way may twist and turn, my heart may throb and ache, but in my soul I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plan may go astray, my hope may fade away, but still I'll trust in my Lord to lead, for he does know the way. Though night be dark, and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him. He maketh no mistake. Lord, thank you that you are uh, with us in dark nights of the soul. We confess that we do not not want to go through them, uh, but we recognize uh, your goodness in them that not only do you teach us uh, who you are in the middle of dark nights of the soul, but you remind us that our hope is not uh, in earth, it's in eternity. Thank you for reminding us of that. I pray that you would uh, be a stronghold for the people of Mosaic, myself and anyone else uh, that is going through a dark night of the soul. I pray that you would be a stronghold that we would not turn to things that we know will not help us, but that we would turn to you and that you would uh, remind us that uh, our singular hope is that you embrace us forever, tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, but also every day after that into eternity. Thank you for that embrace, uh, and thank you um, for the people of Mosaic, and may we, Lord, May we, may we be reminded as we go into this, this next week to speak truth to one another, to disciple one another, to remind each other uh, of the truths of God and to encourage each other with them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.